Hey, this is Bob and the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. God damn it. Stop dying, people. Stop oh, dying. They, they won't. They're they not will listening. Not. A no. little high school kid died again, but I got I got some insight about the dying that's going on. Okay, well, but should we start with dying? Is that what the podcast about? Yeah, yeah, you know, let's get the dying out of the way, and then we'll then we'll get to life. We'll get the dying out of the way, then we'll talk about music and Christmas and my marriage problems. We'll talk oh, about yeah. it all. Marriage oh, problems. <laughs> no way. You're yeah. new married. That well, let's talk yet. about that. So I have this new thing. So like everything else that's happened in the drug community, the media is always like five years behind, not five months behind, five <laughs> years <laughs> behind. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> if you recall, we started this podcast, how long ago, Mike, about five years ago? Yeah. And we were talking More about that. Fentanyl, fentanyl and Oxycontin overdose death, correct? Correct. Yeah. And that number was skyrocketing. Actually, correct. that number is starting to 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 flatten and recede but the media every kid that dies of a, a fentanyl overdose now is full page news 24 hour news for like a whole two or three days where, where what happened to the 400,000 people that have died in the last 5 years it's as if they just found out about it 3 weeks ago it's fucking well, crazy maybe it's on some political agenda so that they're oh, paying attention might it be. to it oh maybe How, what agenda would it be my huh. yeah, my whole ge- my whole genocide uh, conspiracy theories that you know oh, yeah. just, I, you, 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 I, you know me, Bob. I like <laughs> I believe that the government actually actually lets things go and kills people because like if those four hundred thousand people that died um, had kids, if those young people had grew up and had kids, and you'd have no social security, the place would be overpopulated. So oh my pretty- God, Mike Martin is the only liberal conspiracy <laughs> theorist I know. No, I'm not. That, that's true, though. <laughs> no, so you, you are. Bob, you are. You, Mike, can I just tell you what you are? You Bob, are used a to have the case, You're a nutcase liberal lefty. Awesome, right? Yeah. Who believes <laughs> in you. every conspiracy theory that the right wing Trumpers believe in? <laughs> no, not every one <laughs> yes, of them. Not, not, <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in adrenaline and babies eating and stuff like that. I believe that there is a genocide model that they do control <laughs> population. Model. This sounds like something off some deep web podcast, like the, the, the genocide model. They do not have the draft anymore. The draft served that purpose. It's killed 18, you know, it killed 18 year olds. War killed 18 to 25 year olds, right? Uh, now opiates they would have had, it, so we don't need war. Exactly. We don't. I mean, if you didn't have those deaths, then you would, <laughs> wait, wait, I want to hear more. See, you would need the on. draft. Smitty, wait a minute. All the logical people I know listen to this podcast, Smitty and Wiley and everybody. Are you listening to this? 
This is just made up <laughs> shit by crazy drug no, addicts. It is yes, not. it is. Do the math. There's no conspiracy. The the world is too fucked is. up to be a conspiracy. It is. They just let it roll, man. They're like, hey, <laughs> all those fucking people that are dying, they're not going to have kids. We well, then why every time a 15 year old dies? Roll, Bob. Then why every time does a 15 year old dies? Is it why is it headline news all of a sudden? I'm not. I'm not discounting the pain and suffering of these moms. And, okay. And craziness. And, then but, answer this. Why do they always talk about solving the problem, but they don't do anything? Because it's not in their gut. Well, we're separating <laughs> two things. I don't it's think not, so. It's <laughs> not in politicians' <laughs> best interest. It's not in politicians' best interest since their only focus, 99% of their focus is to get reelected. It's not in their best interest to solve anything. It's Drug that on both, on both sides, on yeah, both since, sides. Since Drug, right? addiction is a on Drug addiction it's, is a it's form of population out. control. That's what I, I understand that you believe that. And the, the first time I heard it, I was like, no, I think it's a personal responsibility. And that, that people are feeling, no, stop. People are feeling <laughs> hopeless, helpless, and lost no. as a society. Why are people taking drugs? Why are young people telling me they don't care whether they live or die? Why did I meet yeah. a, 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 what, a child today that looked like, like Elvis's peer uh, mm. who's addicted to fentanyl? Oh my like, God. this is That's madness. So this yeah. is fucking madness what's been going on in this country for dozens, a dozen years. Well, you know, but it's maybe. interesting that the media has only chosen to pay attention to the drug overdose thing the last three weeks. It's really fascinating. Okay, to me. But, but but the point you made is like you've got 400,000 overdose deaths. That means that's affecting 10 times that number because of the Four people million. that they knew. Four, and then we million. had the thing in Hollywood. Uh, where that was kind of front page because people were like going, you mean really people are dying in high school? So we, we've got now this mass number that people, everybody knows somebody. Now everybody almost, uh, I mean, not us. I mean, I've had six in the last eight weeks, but I mean, I think it's reaching st regular people now. It's reaching the people that it didn't normally reach. I just, and that, I this, just, I just think, I think, so I'm going to give you some hope. So I want everyone to know, I went back hope. to work today. I know most people went back to work right after COVID releases. I, I kind of, yeah, like, I'm like a like, lagging, a lagging teenager. You're five years work. behind. You're <laughs> I, I, I worked, Bob I is the my media. first full day of clinical or like in rehab today. Oh, yeah. When oh, did man. COVID in? Like eight months ago or something? Yeah, good like, for you, Bob. Well, yeah, it's hard to schedule. You never know if COVID is going to come back. You know, they might shut everything down again. I didn't want to, you know, jump the gun and get back to work oh, yeah, so yeah, quickly. Jump the gun. <laughs> Thank you for being cautious and not endangering other people. This is the selflessness that makes you Bob Forrest. <laughs> I know. I, I just give it, I give it, I give. So You're no, a hero. Happened, so here's the thing. I had to meet with all... The staff today and explain where I've been. Oh my god! For, for two years. Hey, remember me? I'm Bob. <laughs> I've got that podcast. I'm pretty cool. I, was, <laughs> I do music. Here's the thing: this guy Clint works with me. He's like an old friend of a friend of mine. He got sober at my house of like I don't know 2016 or something, and 
And I said, hey, dude, how you doing? He goes, Bob, I haven't seen you physically in two years. I was like, it hasn't been two years. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe 18 months, but it hasn't been two years. (laughs) Four months. (laughs) So what happened was, as COVID got crazy, I worked more and more with Bob Howland on the front end and reeling patients in and doing, doing the intake in the front end, right? And you can do that in your underwear from home. It doesn't matter where you're talking to them from. You don't <laughs> have to actually. Know. Now they know when they're a little creeped out. Well, I never, I don't, I never wear underwear. I got to turn the air conditioning off. How about the fact it was 91 degrees today and it's Halloween? Um, I know. So, so get this. Yeah. So get this. So I just started doing front end and I talked to, I talked to everybody, but I haven't really got, I haven't run a group since the shutdown, since like the first six months of COVID. So that was like summer of 2000 of 2020 is yeah. the last time I ran a group. And what is it now? Yeah. Summer of 2021. So it's been a year. 20, <laughs> 2022. Okay. So it's been two years. <laughs> okay. Let's just get the year right. Not, not 18 months. months. But I transitioned. <laughs> and not only that, it's October, not summer. What I was trying to tell Clint and the gang is I transitioned from clinical into intake and marketing and front end. Oh, you lied. But, <laughs> but, but anyways. It was, so you're back so in the back end now. I'm back in the back end. I was in the front end. Now I'm in the back end. So, oh, but it goodness. was so, here's the thing. I think I knew that two years off. I felt so good coming home. And it's a two hour drive home from fucking, trust me, it wasn't pleasant. But I just felt so good. Like I met a bunch of drug addicts and kids who were, some are contemplative, some are unsurrendered, some are optimistics, you know, but I guarantee you, I know why they're, they're, the death rate is going down. The kids are taking my advice. I literally heard it from two different clients today. When I say, what's your drug of choice? They say, well, really fentanyl, but I do meth so I don't die. A girl literally <laughs> told me that today. I said, wow. I have a podcast. She didn't know who I am from Adam, you know, a hole in the ground. She wasn't even born when Celebrity Rehab was on. So so uh, I said, well, I have a podcast that, that's about that. And I kind of joke around, but that's really smart of you. And she just looked at me like, is this old guy work here? What is this guy here for? <laughs> hey, grandpa <laughs> wandered onto the grounds. An old homeless hippie. An old homeless hippie from the Venice Boardwalk walked onto the property. Should we call the police? <laughs> Some old meth addict <laughs> walked onto the property. Hey, what Chuck has been condemning me for for years of, <laughs> of suggesting maybe stimulants would re- reduce this death rate. I started hearing it from clients today. Oh my god! Oh yeah, no, yeah, we so we, either we visited either, this. Either I think like a client or clients are really smart. I don't know which. Oh, which would god. you choose? I, I think uh, you I think, think that, like that a clients, client. <laughs> I think it took a, a couple hundred thousand of them dying to catch on. But, but you, I, I really that, believe that, that, that they they think they that, like. Am I just so fucked up that I just will think like a client and drug addict for the rest of my life? It's immediately because that's what that's what why you know. Once I discovered crack, I was like, oh, this guarantees I'm not going to die of a heroin overdose, pretty much. Wow. <laughs> right? It's so, easy, it's so easy, Bob. You, your desire to be right is greater than your <laughs> desire to be, <laughs> to be helpful. You can't, you can't maintain methamphetamine. 
No, they're in rehab, but they're not dead before they get to rehab. The method right. is the bridge from fentanyl to rehab. That's all I'm saying. Our, but our focus is now, like we were talking about earlier, is there's we are a dying breed. There's not going to be any more people who just oh, go well, for that, complete that. abstinence. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, sober. you know, I don't think. Right, reunite that. Reignite. I think there'll be some. I just think that. It never crossed me in the gang's mind, you know, all the people we got sober with, Mike, that that there was some other way. It just never crossed their mind. There was only two ways. There was being high or being <laughs> right. sober. Right. Now, well. Chuck, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there like 19, just like there's so many genders, isn't there like 19 sobrieties now too? Yeah, you know, but <laughs> did, I, did I tell you about my guy that there's a place... I don't want to say their name because I don't want to create problems, but they're a 420 friendly place. But this okay. guy is, he's schizo, <laughs> he's schizo effective and bipolar from the get. He went to this place that's 420 friendly. And after three days, they had to drop him off at the psych hospital. So he came to us. We had him for about a week and he started Still in going people down. at home. Cause there's a lot of people that aren't rehab savvy like you and me that work in them. Now I've been working in them for years. I, I, I just got home from work today. I stopped reprimanding Chuck about what is a 420 rehab place. Thank just you. explain well, they, to they, people at home. They don't, they don't, they don't particularly condone, but they tolerate use of THC and THC products. Right. So I've, I've only I only had a friend of mine, Joe, that had one. I never went to it. Did they actually smoke pot like in the smoking area? I, I didn't ask that question because it was one of those things where he had a bad experience, because as we know, when you have existing uh, psychiatric diagnoses that are organic, you can exacerbate them. And that's what happened with his with his apparently he smoked a ton of weed, good weed. And they ended up the rehab. Him. They they yes. give you the weed. They give no, it to you. They didn't. They didn't give it to him. But they they tolerate it. They say that this is you know this is cool. No, no, and I don't even give it to him. Stop, stop. So they get it. They arrange for a pharmacy to prescribe it, just like they would Depakote or Neurontin or anything else, right? It must I'm get not, delivered from the pharmacy to the client. I would imagine. We got to know the good, mechanics of 420 that's a, rehab. That's a great question because I I don't know that. I mean, we don't we allow people to smoke cigarettes but we don't arrange for it to happen you yeah know what cigarettes I mean? cigarettes you know, they throw everybody back. in a bus and they take them down to the pot to the dispensary clinic, well, the dispensary and they just let them no, they got there. they got the weed to your doors pharmacies they got money on your books and then you, hey, can you buy think they're, hey, you think they're making money off of that the, I wouldn't the know. clinics are the clinics no. Are. I'm talking about the rehab. Are they up in the price? Like, hey, you know, they buy some weed and then they sell it for more. No, no, they're charging a thousand dollars a day to sit there in their sober in their rehab to smoke weed. That's so they're a pretty making good deal. way more money off if they they're have, making. They let them smoke they're making weed. way more than the stadium in motel that me and Max lived in. I'll tell you that we were paying oh, like yeah, eighty yeah. nine eighty nine dollars a day to shoot heroin Dude, and cocaine. We'll call you and, sober uh, if you if you pay a bunch of money and you can sit around smoke weed and we'll bring you like donuts and cookies and stuff like that you know but but mike the thing is goes, said, but no but what they're getting is the same belly button therapy and oh my mommy and all that kind of stuff that's what they're getting and let me tell you that ain't no different than me or you chuck it's all belly button how you feeling today so what's the difference if they're stoned on pot i want to get rid of the belly button how are you feeling today 
That's what I, I want to get. I don't of. I don't think it's a problem for the vast majority of the people. And I hate saying that because the only people that are going to hear that are the people that probably shouldn't be doing it. But the idea that I mean, a lot of these kids are caught up in a different way than when we tell our stories. It's a, they're caught up in a different way. They're starting off with something that doesn't make any sense. It's not a slow stroll down the, the drug, you know, down into drug life. And it's not a lifestyle. They don't have a lifestyle or a get down or, a, or anything going along with it. All they have is this, this nasty habit. That's but I mean, but, but it's the modern 21st century adulthood. You live with your parents, you live off your parents, you live uh, in this collaborative kind of way. Right. And, yeah, it's, it's, and that's the modern way. And that, and, and the sober kids are doing that too. I'm not, I'm not shitting on the kids that live off their parents. I think shame on the parents. You haven't taught them independence. You have, you haven't stewarded your kids, right? They're supposed to fucking take off on their own. That's what yeah. parenting is preparing them to be in the world on their own. And this, co this cohabitation that goes on, I've got, I have, had clients that like are in their late thirties is still are completely dependent on their parents. Like that's impossible. Right, I, I they're know not that, caregivers, they're not even caregivers. They're just there because, well, you know what? Some there. of them has stuck around so long. They've become that. How <laughs> fucking know. crazy is that? What a way to spend your life. That's really sad to me. Just living with your parents until they're so old. It's appropriate for you to live with them and take care of them in their elderly ages. Like that ain't never going to happen to me. I'm elderly now. I got two year old. So that I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah. Like I'll be by the time Idris, by the time I can kick Idris out of the house, I'll be 77 years old. He <laughs> needs to stay to change my, wait hey, a minute. You won't even he remember who he is. Stay, <laughs> he needs to stay to change my diaper. <laughs> he does. I, so I think he, he should. So yeah. I, I just might be the first child that is appropriate to live at home after they're 18. Okay. Now, wait a second. Maybe <laughs> this the is young the ones first don't child do it. where you try to try to track their career. You want Idris to be a nurse. You need to groom him to be a nurse so that you have one built in. That yeah, and and you know and help me with the walker and all that because I'm Absolutely. sure a lot of stuff are going to start breaking but down. No, here no shortly. rock star shit. No, uh, no, do what you want. You're going to be a nurse. No, no, no college. That's your job. He, he, should, he should be discouraged from college right off the get go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're. I can see Sydney and Elvis telling him when he's like ten. Like, no, I just you're going to stay back and take care of dad as he falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have successful lives but you're just gonna be there wiping dad and wiping his mouth off from the uh, food that you feed him <laughs> that's, that's what's gonna happen hey you say that like it's a bad thing i think no. that's <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell you what this day was like so i go to work and i got there and i felt so insecure and uncomfortable I walked in, I saw it like I didn't know some people. I, I was looking for the people I do know. I didn't see them. There was a group going on. So all the clients were in a group and I was just walking. And I, 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 I was, I, I haven't felt that out of sorts since, uh, like, I can't, I can't remember where I just felt like really like high school. Like I don't belong here. And <laughs> so I went and sat in the backyard and I called Bob, my guy, Bob Howland, the great Bob Howland at Oro House Recovery Center. And I said, you know, 
I just feel so weird here. And he goes, where are you? And I said, in the backyard, sitting at those tables. And he goes, I'll have Clint come and meet you. And Clint came and I just, this connection happened. I'm telling you, I'm walking on air. This is so great. I feel connected back to the source of sobriety. I feel connected back to people. I feel connected back to what I'm good at. But it took this guy, Clint, who ironically, I think seven or eight years ago, he was on drugs so bad, a rehab wouldn't take him. A friend of mine, a mutual friend of mine called me and said, hey, remember Clint? And I said, yeah. And he goes, he's, um, I just tried to get him into a rehab and they won't take him. <laughs> <laughs> Were they afraid he was going to die in detox? No, no, no. He's psych, you know, psych, psychosis or whatever. Oh, so I okay. said, all right. And, and, uh, Morgan is my friend. And, and he, I said, all right, um, he can come live with me. <laughs> I literally said that he can come it, live with me. That's excellent. And he did. And for the, it took him like three weeks till he didn't believe he was on a reality TV show. He mm. thought, he thought, Oh, the guy. And he, he was paranoid and he would come to me and go, promise me again that, that, that you're not filming me and you're going to make fun of me. And I, I go, I'm not <laughs> filming you and I'm not going to make fun of you. Well, there was right? precedent for that. <laughs> so anyways, he stayed sober since that day I met him. And now he's the leader of uh, of this inpatient treatment thing. And he just made me feel so at home. And it was so great. And then I met all the staff. And and I was right. Like, staff turnovers at rehabs, like in 18 months, two years, it's a completely different staff. It's oh, crazy yeah. how, how much turnover there is. Oh no! Everybody, Why is that? Why is it that people burn out so they can't it, take it? Is, like, it's what is not it? easy if you don't have if you're not grounded and you don't if you haven't if you're not grounded and you don't have a life outside of there it can eat you up because I mean I, I notice it um, I notice it in little ways like if I start taking things personal I need to look at why and then I need to check myself because you know the failures you start taking them personally like a uh, and, and you gotta be nuts, but you, you have to be grounded, man. It's, I don't know how you've stayed in it as long as you have. I don't know how I've stayed in it as long as I have, because I, you watch and I, I could count, I can count the number of people that are still with wavelengths when I started five and a half years ago on one hand. And wow. we have, I, I, don't know. I took a two-year vacation. Who gets to take a two-year vacation? <laughs> <laughs> there was no groups, Mike. There was still rehab, but there was no reason for me. <laughs> the only thing here's that. Well, Mike, I don't know how to document very well. I'm I'm not like I'm not a therapist. Like I, so I couldn't do the one-on-ones that you can unbundle and bill for. It's called. So I couldn't do Zoom treatment because I'm not a licensed therapist. I don't know how to document, so I'm kind of useless. The only thing I'm good at is doing an entertaining group. And for a year and a half, there were no groups. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not justifying. I've been lagging for eight months for sure. And now, well, the point <laughs> is, like, well, it's hard to get out. And this is not a, this is not just me. It's hard for people to get back into the swing of life. You're seeing anxiety and depression and people not feeling the same. They're calling it some syndrome, like post COVID syndrome. Like, like people just don't feel the way they did prior to the COVID lockdowns. That's they, funny they you just say don't. That. that there's a, there's a lady right now who is, is like that, who 
post COVID, when life went back into session, the drinking got out of hand. It was fine. It was. Why was that? Why? Why do you think that is? Because the working from home, the not having to leave, the all of a sudden, you know, all the. It, it does. People develop like a, it's like it's just like a touch of agoraphobia. We're just being out in the world is scary because it's safer at home and you get used to it and it's comfortable. You know, that's uh, what, that's what I have. But I wasn't drinking. I just like sitting here and doing nothing. <laughs> right. So getting back to work messed her up. And, and but now, you know, she's coming. She's she made sense of it. I mean, a lot of people are smarter than me. They seem they see things going south and then they do something about it. I wait till the police tell me. Oh, that's always good. So yeah. um, so let's get to what really is going on, why we haven't done a podcast in two weeks. So part of part of what's going on in my life is Chrissy's like that too. And and we really like we didn't mind COVID. We like staying home. We like like we got fun property. We can walk around. There's animals and fun stuff. And so we kind of became home centric. And then when I didn't go back to work and she had just been home, our kind of marriage kind of like became this not dead. It's not it was just kind of we we're just stuck in this house together. We got along, but it's just stuck, right? And, and it was, and we had a big blowout argument like two weeks ago and it was awful. You know, I went and stayed in the desert for a couple of days and, and I didn't know what my, our life was going to be like. It's been really hard. It's been really hard. And so, and this is generational for sure. Like, people that have different values. A lot of people have different values. It's not generational, but when it's generational, like we just went to therapy on Monday. What's today? Tuesday? Yeah. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and this guy, like, I don't know the idea that, that I have it. You guys have noticed it. Everybody that listens to this podcast. I have this generational prejudice right? That, that it just is, I just believe it, right? When you believe something like in your, in your marriage, if you believe, um, sobriety is better than drunk, but your partner believes, well, it doesn't really matter. Not there. Nothing is black and white. Everything is gray and vague and, and, you know, in this new kind of way of thinking that's going to be difficult. Right. And cause he has a different vision of the world than I do. And for so long, it just like, yeah, she had her vision. I had my vision, but us being together, I don't know. We were still trying to figure it out, but it really was rough. And we didn't know whether we were going to stay married. And then we decided we are, and now we're dealing with it. But, uh, and I think that a lot of people going through this, a lot of my friends have gotten divorced, even gazelle and fucking Tom Brady. I mean, Giselle. like, <laughs> what's her name? Giselle. 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 Giselle yeah. I, yeah. are cool too, though. And um, and it's just, it, I don't know. I just think, I think this, I think we never should have locked everything down, and it it profoundly changed our society. I I think it really did. And I'm not a Trumper, and I'm not anti-vacciner or any of that kind of stuff. I just think that what it did to our kids, how how developmentally behind our kids are emotionally developmentally behind they are i see it with sydney i see it with 
this disconnect, how hard it is to get back into the flow of life. Some people don't want to get back into the flow of life. And marriages didn't dissolve under the pressure of COVID and being alone. I think everybody was in survival mode. But right. now post it, it's just like what me and Chrissy had a session yesterday where we said, what, what do we want? What is our purpose? And it's so we don't even know what we want anymore as people. And I think a lot of people feel that way, right? Of course, you love your children, all this bullshit that like, I'm not saying that I don't, I yeah, don't know the basic fundamentals, there, but, but what yeah. is life really about? I've lost the narrative. I don't know anymore. And so is she. And so you got two people lost on the narrative. Like it's, it's yeah. really, it's really bad. And I've been talking to all my friends about it. Cause, cause I turned to a lot of my friends and they're all having similar problems, you know, not mm. to the degree that we've had them, but it's just like, something's really fucked up. I can't put my finger on it. I can't define it. I think Trump and, and all the woke shit is just, is just symptoms of it. I think it's much deeper, something that's very wrong with us as a people. I really believe that. And I hope somebody smarter than me can come along and help us heal and help us figure it out and help us move forward, whether it's a personally a therapist for us or a, a leader in our society. But we are a lost civilization at this point. Everyone I talked to didn't talk about their you know, how everything was great for them and maybe we should model after them. They all were having similar variations of this emptiness that every, that I'm feeling. Right. Hmm. And, and I, I just don't know. Like, I don't want my kids going to school. I don't want them listening to this nonsense. It's just fucking nonsense in the schools. Right. You know, nonsense. <laughs> It's nonsense. Sydney's been being bullied since the beginning of school. We don't want to be complainers because they they already think we're crazy parent punk rockers. <laughs> and so we don't complain. And I kind of told her, like, you know, you're bigger than them. So just grab your lunch bag back and say, fuck you. Leave me alone. Um, and she's not the type of kid that's going to do that, right? Neither is Elvis. Hopefully Idris will do that. But but all kids are different. And that's just not Sydney. She's not going to stand up to these kids that are bullying her. A, because she's kind of flighty, like she kind of doesn't give a fuck. They take her lunch bag and throw it in the trash and she doesn't have any reaction to it. They were doing it for weeks. Oh, no. Right? And then they, you know, our bunnies ran away and I know it's kind of been a joke on the podcast and I felt super bad when we were dealing with it. Kids said, you know why your bunnies ran away? And she didn't even say why. And they said, because they hate you. This is six-year-olds. This is six-year-olds. What's wrong and with I, them? It's not them. It's us. It's all of us. I'm not mad at the kids. So we finally, Chrissy went down to the school last Wednesday and, you know, got with the principal. The principal said, well, this is the first time I've heard of this. Well, yeah. What's that got to do with it? And she acted, and, and something like, are you sure this is happening? Like, oh, no, we just love coming down here and, like, making yeah. shit up. <laughs> we thought like, it'd be what? a fun field trip. We thought, <laughs> we're what both, do you want to do today? By the Let's way, go to the we're, both, we're both therapists, and we want to help, help all the kids kind of figure out why this is happening or what's going on or what we can do to make everybody. And there was just this kind of 
I don't know. There's this kind of like, oh, this is not fitting our narrative here at our school. It's anti-bullying mm. month. You know, they didn't even, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the definition of what bullying is, I'm just sick of all the bullshit of our society. The schools are bullshit. What is the definition of bullying? Chuck, I don't know what the definition of bullying is for you, but when somebody, another kid takes another kid's lunch and throws it in the trash, what do you call that? Yeah, yeah that's friendliness. Friendliness. Yeah, I know. But it's not. Let's not label the kids. I just think that something is wrong. I, I, I'm, I, I'm telling you, something's wrong. When six-year-old, you know, I know, I know these kids. They're beautiful, wonderful little little kids. But so we're in a society it? where nobody takes responsibility for anything, ever. And then something like this happening, it's almost as if everybody lives in this fantasy land of what world we're living in, this idealized world of like, oh, we all love each other and we're all everything and we're all this and we're all that, that when reality comes in, they have to question the reality bringer, right? Do you understand? We're bringing reality, right? We may pull our kid from school. We can homeschool her better than this. We don't need this. She can socialize at soccer. Right, you guys, okay. are, but you know what I mean. You guys are portraying yourself as this Valhalla of all liberalism and perfection and and child rearing and all this bullshit language. And it, my kid's getting her tra- her fucking lunch thrown in the trash. Can you fix that? Can you fucking fix that? Well, it'd be do. interesting to see what they do. Because, yeah, nothing. Anything. They're doing I mean, yeah. nothing. Yes, just, but do you know that for sure, Bob? Or do you know that if they just learned of it, maybe then things will happen now? No, they, they, I'm sure they're going to, they sat down and talked to the kids and, and whatever. That, that's something. But that, that, because see, the, what your natural instinct is, I don't have that natural instinct. I love all kids. I think they're fucking amazing little fucking creatures, right? And I think, and I know two of these kids, and I think they're amazing. The parents are the ones that can't fucking handle it. The schools are the ones that can't fucking handle it. So they obviously, in the back of their minds, they think it's something Sydney is doing. I could sense that, hmm. right? And and I had thought I solved it by telling Sydney, you know, just fucking stand up. You're like four inches, six inches taller than them. Just stand <laughs> up and say, don't do that, <clears throat> right? Yeah. But, well, you but know, so, and that, that's one of those weird times that's that's also I know that I know when Bug is eating, I know it's a supervised time, but he's also not in large classes. He's in small classes, so it's a lot different. He's in the you know special ed stuff. So his school experience is a lot different than a general ed. Right. It, um, yeah, I mean it's small classrooms that they all eat at the same time or something. It's like you know, it's like I mean, Chrissy went there. I don't know all the details because, you know, it was uh, the better parent was chosen to go interface with the school. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if I would have gone down there? <laughs> I'm going to end up in jail or something. So so what, what it was, she watched the day and there's like three classrooms so like 60 kids eat all at the same time and one 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 person from school is out there kind of walking around so it's 60 to 1 ratio right no 
<laughs> that that doesn't work. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but we also know you can't you can't make rules that make kids act right. There's there's always been a sort of at least there was at my school there was always someone that was was getting pushed and then you kind of had to push back. Well, that's when I I talked about with another friend of mine. I said, you know, un- sadly, I was like kind of a bully in school, and. And it's a long narrative, but what happened was I was from LA. Like I lived in Palm Springs when I was born. And then there wasn't a Catholic school down there. So my dad wanted me to go to Catholic school. So we came back to LA for me to go to Catholic school. And then um, his business failed. And so then we moved to the desert and I went to public school. So I was, I was kindergarten first, second grade in, and third grade in LA with really hardcore Catholic school, like fights every day, like no supervision, like people living in eight, you know, 1480, you know what I mean? Like, so it was like Lord of the flies on the playground. And I, and it was a rough neighborhood school. It was, you know, it was, I, it, you just had to learn how to be tough or at least posture as tough. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then I go down to Palm Springs where it's just all this like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? I'm Opie. Sort of God. Like I was, I was, I moved You're in the middle picking of, on them. <laughs> I, I, I moved in the middle of third grade and I literally was running that school within three weeks. <laughs> So there was a circle K and what creeps. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody knows Palm Desert, where the Alano Club is, there's an Alano Club on Portola in Palm Desert. It's very famous. Been there for, since the '60s. A cr- one building up is my elementary school. It's called Washington Elementary School, and just just like past the Alano Club and down a parking lot and one street, and then there's a Circle K, right? And I walked to school when I was a kid. We walked like two miles to school in LA, <laughs> right? And these Palm Desert kids, they just don't walk anywhere. They're like, the moms pick them up because it's hot and whatever. And I, nice. and so everybody liked candy. And a lot of times they would run down, if they got to school early, run down to Circle K and buy candy and then come back, right? And so we're at recess, like first few weeks I lived there and everybody's like, oh, we should, you know, go down to Circle K. And I was like, you know, we have 20 minutes for recess. I was like, give me your money. Give me your money. You got money. <laughs> and they gave me their money. And I just hauled ass out the side gate, ran down to circle can, bought a bunch of candy and came back. From then on, I was like a God in Palm Desert <laughs> elementary school. Like he forest, the rules. I was called forest, like forest fucking he just left school and went to Circle K. I was like, yeah, I'm from L.A., bitch. Did we fucking yeah. do that? <laughs> that's, that's how we do, L.A. style. Right? So so I didn't really have to ever fight anyone or whatever. I was just like, hey, what does Forrest think? What are you doing, Forrest? You know, Forrest was, I was the guy in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. <laughs> middle of sixth grade we're down at palm desert middle school it's just down the road south of 111 and before <laughs> school we would kick field goals right and you'd try to go further back and then the champion was the one that could kick a field goal from farthest away and we're doing that and you know i'm forest i run the show in palm desert yeah everything's got to go through me like the fucking 10 year old godfather yeah. right and I remember there's uh, a funny side note. So as we started, no, they had no sex education, right? So, but everybody started to know about coming and all this stuff. So a bunch of kids come to me, like these three kids, and they go, Forrest, how do you know if there's sperm in your cum? 
And I was like, <laughs> that, was that, that was that was the type of shit a guy that ran Palm Desert had to fucking answer, Chuck. And you said by taste. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, they were a little advanced. Me, I didn't know what come was at the time. So I had to really ad lib, right? So so uh so, anyways, uh the craziest thing happens. Uh uh, this kid comes up. He's about, he looks like he's in eighth grade. And this other nerdy kid is with him. And he goes, this is a new guy. His name's Forrest. His name's Forrest. And I was so like, come again? I'm fucking Forrest. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you know, but there's only one Forrest. <laughs> it's only one Forrest. It's me. I'm Forrest. And his name was Forrest Male. His dad, his last name was for a male. So his first name was Forrest. And uh, this kid, he said, well, he wants a kick. And I was like, you know, and everything had to go through me. I was like, welcome to it, Mr. Forrest Jr. This guy. <laughs> you don't even have guy. sperm in your cum. You want to know about shit. You want to know shit. You ask me. <laughs> yeah. So he, he. Kicks it from where the guy who just kicked the furthest field goal, well, like 35 yards, kicks it with 20 yards past. They they then all, I see my gang going, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and he, he tells the kid, he goes like this with his hands, like back it up, back it up, back it up. 10 yards back, 45 yards, kicks it through the uprights. Everybody starts looking at me like, like it's, it's what, your turn. Why like, the what? fuck are we following that for? Oh. <laughs> We're going to follow this for us. And he was charismatic kick. and he was cool. And he's from New York. Oh, New York City trumps L.A. As anybody knows. Well, and more of a city for sure. So I immediately did what I've been doing my whole life, which is what Mike Martin does. Forrest and I became best friends because I was not going to be defeated in my leadership role. Right? You're just gonna, right? You were going to co-op. We're going to co-president. <laughs> and I love that guy. His dad was the FM DJ on the Palm Springs radio station. That's why he, he went all over the country a lot in places. That's why he's from New York. huh? Yeah. Um, but the reason I say this is there was a lot of bullying and, and there was a, not not a caste system like in India, but there was definitely a, a pyramid of uh -huh. of structure in my elementary school, in my middle school, that is no longer allowed to exist because of the zero tolerance of everything. We should just have zero tolerance of children. We should just outlaw them, uh. right? <laughs> you know, there's a weird thing when I when I drop off Bug because I take him to the school because we didn't want him on a bus in the morning every day. Um, the uh, when I watch the kids, man, the kids in fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade are already you can see the different groups of who's who because you're not allowed on the campus until the bell rings, so they all have to hang out right outside the yeah, gates. yeah, and then the bell rings, and then they can go all that stuff we used to do before school playing basketball, playing uh, mud football, do doing it. all this stuff. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can't not allowed to do it. I used to leave early to go and I used play to get to school before. at 7 a.m. It opened, it started at 8 05. You right. get there to play basketball and football, you get there, it's and so and, fucking lame. And then, so, then they, how about that? Everything is fenced in with barbed wire like a prison. 
And yeah. every time I go to pick Sid up, it's 2.45, she gets out. She's always, I'm always the first one at the gate because I don't like socializing with the parents because I don't know. I, I got nothing in common with them. So <laughs> they all the socialize. <laughs> they all socialize. And then I, I know none of them listen to this podcast. It's, you know, so I'm pretty safe. They all socialize. And I just stand right by the gate waiting for the lady to come and lock it. And then Sid, let's get the fuck out of here. I fucking, I'm not comfortable in this place. So <laughs> Sid often is on the other side of the gate. And the lady never is on time to unlock the gate. Never, not once all year. But <laughs> if I show up with my child at 817, we're marked as tardy and need to get a blue slip and we need to go through the office uh. where there's a line of people that are two minutes late and three minutes late and five minutes late to get our blue slips to sign our name and say, I'm a fucking bad parent. I'm late. You know what I mean? But they can be late every fucking day to unlock yep. the gate. That's the way it is with authority. I'm just figures. done with this. I'm done with this shit. <laughs> this is where we were pre pre COVID. It was fuck this. I'm going to France. I'm going to Spain. Wherever <laughs> I can go, I'm going to homeschool my kids. And then we got that wish. We got to keep our kids at home, and we were like, nah, this has got to end. <laughs> no, I loved it. I started a school. Maybe you felt that way. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, had, well, I had to work the whole time. So uh, I mean, I didn't get I didn't get a a day off. You are a lord, Bob. You are a lord. I am the lord in Scotland. So and did I? Yeah, I am the lord. I have a own school. I have a well. I, you know, it's still not outside. I still got the license application. I might do it, but now I think uh, you should. You I don't should. know, Bob. A lot of people homeschool their kids, but we're we're doing a lot of rethinking. It's not, but it's not a joke. If you're, if it's you know, she, you know, a lot of times you say, oh, you can't change everywhere you go, you'll go there. You know the AA saying, "Every everywhere you go, you end up there." Um, everywhere you go, <laughs> there you are. There yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that's um, stupid. You know, I yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I I don't know that that's the case. Like, yeah, I'm gonna I, be me. I'm me and Claremont. But you're trying to find a place where you feel peace and 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 connection with a community. I don't feel that in Hollywood anymore. Oh. I I don't feel that here i don't know where i'll feel that maybe it's just wonder, that our society has become that up i wonder if some guy was just hired and shit and said dude no matter where you are there you are where you are and then they oh, carried it over into that. aa and aa picked it up because they're all you know because there are a bunch because there's a bunch of parrots but you know though i do i mean when i'm in maybe it's because i'm on vacation but when i'm in hawaii i feel different than when i do here when i'm in northern california in the big trees i feel different than i do when i'm here when i in england and france felt different than here because when i'm thinking does, about what are our options here in southern california so we've lived in hollywood Laurel why Canyon. The connection, why the connection to Southern California, though? That's what I always ask. That's about. what, yeah, well, you've been talking been about at, moving to, Mike Mart has been talking about moving to Oklahoma, Chuck, since 1989, by the way, to, if you're I interested. To Ada, Oklahoma. Ada's a fucking <laughs> wonderful fucking town, man. How do you yeah. know? I thought Claremont was great. My kid's trash, the uh, lunch, uh, lunch is getting thrown in the trash. You know? Like, no, there's no, Sheldon there's no, Gray, I'm, Gwen Stefani, I'm sure there's no perfect there's no perfect place, but that feeling of connect, I felt like there was no, as soon as I got home from tour, I just, just dropped me off on Alvarado. I'm home. I, this is my home. 
you know, the, the Hollywood Boulevard's my home. Beachwood Canyon's Why? my home. Why? I've always felt connected that. to I that. I've always felt that, connected to that. I, I always felt connected. I, you know, I just well, you weren't connected. born there. I was born there. I don't feel a connection to Sunset Beach, and you know, I I grew, I outgrew it. It's my hometown. I grew up there. My parent, my grandparents, you know, in nineteen twelve, bought a double lot for eight hundred dollars and built on it. I still so you don't feel connected to anything feel, in I LA? Feel, I don't feel connected to anything. No, I don't feel. You know, I think Chuck, it's really. Chuck, connected do you to feel connected? Beach. Do you feel connected, Chuck? Not, not as much How as I think I should. It? I think other people are more. I think I am. I am kind of connected to Southern California because when I talk about leaving it, it kind of freaks me out a little. Here's yeah. what happens when you get connected to someplace, though. You start getting disgruntled because it changes. Everything fucking changes with time. And you get fucking pissed off because everything changes and it's never going to go back. Oh, it's I, the I, old I, those, fucking statement. Ah, old that's statement. a cynical attitude. No, those, I was cool with no, let's, let's Let's really think about this because I think COVID has something to do with this. So, well, certainly laws and all this fucking goofy, like, oh, let the homeless people just poop in our lawn and stuff like that has changed L.A. for sure. But but I felt connected to L.A. since I was 17. I went to my senior year of high school in Huntington Beach. After school, I would just drive to Hollywood. I didn't stay in Huntington Beach. Mike, you didn't either. You you were in Huntington Beach, and you drove to Hollywood all the time. I lived I in thought, Huntington Beach. I've lived in New Mexico. I've lived in San Francisco. I've lived in you know. I've lived all the fucking over the place. And well, I really so don't care. everybody. I but go, where is your home? I, where have you felt at home? Long Beach, well, Sunset Beach, and Long Beach, of course. But I don't have to be here. I would rather be nomadic than any other fucking. You know, I would rather be known as a nomadic. And just go wherever and fucking meet new people and do new things. Because I cannot fucking really stay in one place and be super happy. Because it changes. Yeah, but but I don't think Los Angeles has changed that much from 1980 when I moved there permanently to, to 2000. 15 when i moved out here i don't think it changed that much in 35 years really honestly yeah but you were it there. has changed you were there. All you do but is it has changed profoundly since 2015 you've got you've got people walking down the street floridly <laughs> psychotic right floridly psychotic who i don't know if you saw this in the news night before last this woman's just walking down the street in broad daylight on Lancashire in North Hollywood. And this crazy schizophrenic guy just came up and stabbed her in the back of the head repeatedly with four inch gardening shears. Really? Wow. That shit didn't happen fucking seven years ago. Those people were in mental hospitals, psych holds, group homes, and rehabs. These people mm -hmm. need help. Let me show they you something help. that I got, Bob. You want to see how I deal with it now? Oh this. my god. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sound of a stun gun, people. Yeah, but you're not a 19-year-old girl walking down the street. No, but guess what? When I walk my dog at night, you know, and I walk my dog at night in a horrible fucking area down by the LA River, you know? And I like it. I like the scenery. I like it. But if somebody comes up to me and they're fucking getting crazy and shit like that, I have a fucking 
I have a knife in my pocket and I have a stun gun in my hand. Chuck, do you want to walk around your, your neighborhood like that? I don't mind it. I love it. <laughs> I fucking love it. But if somebody, I'm prepared. If somebody's going to come up and fucking fuck with me. Yeah, but wouldn't it be, I'm wouldn't jamming it be more this thing in their heart and I'm knocking them out. Wouldn't it be more compassionate to find these people the treatment they need? Uh, Instead fuck, of just act I don't like give a fuck totally... about compassion anymore. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 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 compassion. You know? This is my favorite Mike Mart ever. It's like okay, fucking soil and let, green okay. or something. Let's switch, gears, am... let's switch gears to music because I got to <laughs> talk about this band. Okay, they're called Muna. M-U-N-A. And they're this, the kind of, they're like, they're this cool mix. I, I can't even describe what their music is. You would say it's like militant kind of punk rock, but then it, but then it's kind of dance pop music. And it's, it's just so cool. It reminds me of like riot girl when it started. It's like, it's like this cool band. Right. And they, okay. And they are the post. They're not the poster children. They're like, they fell into this thing cause they're gay and, or two of them are gay or one of them is non-binary or whatever. They got labeled kind of, they're just so great. They're a great band. They should just be thought of as a band, but they got these labels tied to them, right. By, by bloggers and whatever. And you, they don't want to be that. They, the, the lead singer said, I don't want to be in this position where everything I say is speaking for a whole generation of people and all this kind of stuff. And immediately I said, that's what Bob Dylan said in 1966. I don't, I'm not a spokesperson. Uh. I'm a fucking singer. Right. <laughs> but all these, all this kind of, all the, I know that pressure put on musicians to like, oh, you, you need to speak for, and I, I just thought it was so brilliant. This, she's not, she's not, she's not saying I'm not, re, I'm not a responsible adult who wants to help and be supportive of my community, but she's saying like, don't put all this fucking pressure on me as a spokesperson or poster child for something, right? How brave is that? How fucking brave is that? How smart. <clears throat> That someone is willing to not be an expert, an armchair expert for fucking <laughs> once. I mean, that's that's what sucks about our world and social media and everything else is everybody's a fucking expert and they're the only ones that have the answer. It's how refreshing to hear somebody just say, you know what, man, I've got opinions, but I'm not your go to on this. So I love this band. They're playing October 25th and 26th somewhere. In L.A., I'm going to go one of the nights, but everybody check them out. Here's a good thing about nowadays when you when you tell somebody to check out a band, you don't have to pay for it. You just go on your Spotify and listen to it. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, but you you know, it used to be back in the day, you had to say, "Oh, you got to hear, you know, Rage Against the Machine or something." And then that person has to go and buy the record, and then they get it and go, "That sucked. I didn't like that. Why'd you tell me to buy that?" <laughs> you owe me six ninety nine. No, eleven ninety nine. I couldn't find it used. I had to buy it fucking new. <laughs> Oh, they, they, that's what you need to go to it's Hollywood It's so for. much better telling, turning people on to music because all you got to do right now, go on your phone and look up this band, Muna. They're so good, man. They're so fucking good. And they're so intelligent and they're so amazing. <laughs> oh, you know what my mom's favorite song was? I forget the guy's name. You'll remember the song. Oh, fuck. I forget the guy's name. My mom was big on AM radio and she'd get really drunk. It was my sister mom. And she'd listen to that song. Feelings, yeah. nothing more than feelings. Right. Trying to forget my feelings of love. 
And mm. they, yeah, no, no. But what was that guy's name? And then it, then the second verse is so great. He goes, it, then it, the music comes down and his voice comes down. Teardrops rolling down on my face, trying to forget my feelings of love. Oh, yeah. Morris Albert. That was the guy's name, Morris Albert. Look at yeah, that. Right, right, by right, Morris right. Albert. <laughs> and then my mom used to love that song. We had we had joy, we had we, fun, yeah. we had seasons in the sun. But yeah. da, 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 da. we're well, a dying breed. Mike, we love that thing. We're hey, a dying Bob. breed. Carrot top. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when I lived in she Vegas, doesn't know Chuck, who carrot top is. Chuck, when <laughs> I lived in Vegas, I could tell the carrot top thing. I'd be at a gas station, I'd feel this thing on the left. Like, hey, dude. And I turn, I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not carrot, carrot top. top. <laughs> And then I met Carrot Top, and he looked at me like, holy shit, at an UNLV basketball game. Oh, my God. But he's buff. He's got big muscles Yeah, and he stuff. used to be yeah. just a little skinny guy. He yeah, he's a, a buff freak. guy now. And so uh, so then I, then after I saw him at this basketball game, then when people mistook me for, for Carrot Top, I would say, no, he's like buff. And he's like buff. Maybe like no, carrot top really is buff. Strong. Yeah, no, he, he got he got ridiculous big for a while, but he's he's come down a little bit. But yeah, I just what saw is, him on. What did I what see do you him mean? on? He's got a, like a running show in Las Vegas. That's those guys' dream. When they get old like that, they they get a theater and they have a know, but gig he, in fucking it, Vegas. That's success for them. He's successful. Was, oh yeah, carrot top is huge. Are you kidding? Yeah. Chuck, I'm telling you, I would be mistaken for Carrot Top sometimes twice a day because I was out oh in Las Vegas. Like, 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 I'm not to the point where I would say it, not, not Carrot Top. Not, Dude, I'm why not, didn't you, I'm why not. didn't you start to, uh, signing autographs, man? That would have been awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Hey, where are we going? Bring Carrot Top with you. Where are we going? <laughs> you you should have been, like, been like, yeah, I'm Carrot <laughs> Top. How are you, man? Hey, how's it going? Hey, man? you know, it'd be like at a taco place in Henderson. Is that really where Carrot Top's hanging out? Yeah. Like, really? You think Carrot Top comes by here? Yep. Think carrot top. To be... <laughs> think carrot top is getting gas on uh, on uh, Blue Diamond Highway up there in <clears throat> South South Point. Think carrot yeah, top. You think carrot top drives a a, a five year old Volkswagen station wagon? Think carrot top's doing <laughs> Just that? Think of how embarrassing <laughs> that would be for your kids. It'd be so awesome, man. Because like you know, embarrassing your kids is one of the funnest things I can ever do, right? Like, I love it. <laughs> you know, in fact, they, they call me the embarrasser, like, like uh, George W. Bush, the decider. I'm the embarrasser. But uh, oh, I, I, I just think you can really have some fun with that. Man. Yeah. To be, well, there's worse people to be mistaken for. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Is there? <laughs> I guess. I, mean, I don't know. Why is it totally be, be shitty? It'd be shitty to like be a dead ringer for like Dahmer or something. But I mean, oh, yeah. Carrot Top. But I you know what I just saw him. He showed up on uh on Instagram and he was going, I got like 20 people from Aero, from the Aerosmith people from the Aerosmith camp coming to the show tonight. So I did this for them. And he had uh it was a picture of the edge from you too and it was aerosmith on top of him and he and he goes he's standing on his head and he goes it's living on the edge and i went oh what? still not funny oh i get it oh that's really oh, funny yeah wow. that is vegas baby in a nutshell oh yeah. geez 
So speaking of Vegas, probably the only time you would see a 60-year-old person with dyed red hair would be in Vegas at the punk rock bowling, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be the place you would see yeah. someone like me? Yeah, yeah. I would think yeah. so. It, it's That's a different kind of thing. I've never done punk rock bowling, even though there's been a bunch of bands oh, that I've known that have oh, gone. It's, I, I've never yeah, I've been a couple of times. It's mind-numbing. I, I I found the crowd so fascinating. I couldn't watch the bands. <laughs> I don't know when when the crowd. No, 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 no. Yeah, sixty-five-year-old guys wearing uh, no mohawks and skirts. Yeah, right. That's and weird. I just and I was there Kilts. with Des Cadena. I was there with Des Cadena, and I was like, "This is what you rot, dude. Look at this fucking shit." And he's like, I didn't have anything to do with this. I was like, no, black flag, black flag, black flag is the is the big bang of this fucking thing. You're trying black to blame it on him, and he's saying, yeah. like, Keith fault. Morris, Keith Morris, Dick's Denny, John Denny. This is your fault. Look at this shit. This is unbelievable. Oh, right? Yeah. It was, For it was hard be- to. It was hard to not look at people. I'm telling you, it was just hard not to look at people. It's just it's weird to me that you would live for you know 40 years and not i don't think they live that way i was talking i was talking to one woman who was telling me i said i said can i ask you a question and she said what and i said is this your this how you and your husband are in your daily life and she said no we just do this it's fun so they're living they live normal lives and then they go out there and relive their childhood yeah it's like when the elvis fans used to dress up like the 50s and stuff and go see like you know yeah it's it's like that yeah but i mean it's a costume party but there's a few of them there's a few of them bob that are just diehard though i mean let me tell you though they live the style they live it all the time they got Mm, kids with mohawks they never grow They're called kids, never grow. Kids with Mohawks. <laughs> yeah, kids no, with no. Mohawks. They're out they're, there, brother. They're crusties and they're riding the rails and they're yeah. squatting and they're oh, that's fantastic. People my <laughs> age are riding the rails. No, they're not. They're like they're like hairstylists and tattoo artists, and they yeah, they exactly. can, yeah, yeah. yeah. They dress that way right. every day. Well, that's not trucks like they're riding the rails like Jack they're, Kerouac. They're, no, they're uh, like they're driving they're, Priuses and going to their ones. own tattoo parlor that they the own. The real ones don't go to punk rock bowling though because they don't have the money for that. Every once you in a while, but we, you know what? I oh come on. I, I never seen because I think I think the Stern brothers run it or something. I never yeah. seen something so easy to sneak into in my life. I mean, I had a wristband, but I just walked right in. Nobody stopped me. It was just like nobody checking, like whatever. Come on in. You look old. Come on in. You look, you look old. You probably Come thought you were in. carrot top or something. Like, hey. <laughs> they might have thought <laughs> I was carrot top. Carrot top. Let yeah. carrot, let carrot top Instagram pictures of me everywhere. Me carrot top and Keith Morris. Carrot top and, and the weirdos. The weirdos and carrot top. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean everybody's played there. Devo played their carrot top. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Carrot> top. <laughs> we gotta we gotta squash the carrot top thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, but but uh, you know, I I don't know. I I'm not making any commitment to anything. I'm just trying to figure out my my lot, me, myself, what I want in life, what I 
what I, what me and my wife want for, out of life and what we want for our children. And I, I don't know if I talk to a lot of people that are going through the same thing. Like, like what is, what is going that, on? Dude, that's kind of a big question because if you asked me and Amy and you put us in separate rooms, I would think that we would have sort of different answers, but that doesn't mean that we're not compatible for the journey. You know what well, I mean? Well, to be That's... fair, to be fair, Chrissy's wanted to move back to LA for like four years. Like she grew up out here. She's over it out here. But I'm just like, you know, our house, I just love our house. And I thought the schools were good. That was like the main thing. I was like, oh, it's good schools or something. Good schools. You know how white people say good schools? It's like code for like white schools. I swear <laughs> to God. It means it means it's there's like no white. kids of color at this school. None. <laughs> and it is, it's like a liberal white code word. Like, oh, it's a, it, you know, it's a really good school. What is a really good school? Good test scores, good social interaction, imaginative teachers, creative uh, uh, treatment plan, uh, 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 treat, uh, 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 class plans right <laughs> yeah. i don't well, know, you know my i'm a rehab guy treatment plan but, right. but like, treatment like plan. what makes a good school you know what's weird is my youngest is like totally in the school like she goes until five o'clock and she loves it she wishes she could stay longer oh cool. my god i swear to god she goes from eight in the morning till five and and she's like, I I don't I go, is there ever gonna be when like you get off at four or three or what when you become like a <laughs> and she's like, No, I hope you know, she loves it. She loves school. Well, she goes to Orange County School of Art, so that's kind of a nice there you go. So it's probably stimulating and there's like minded kids and she's yeah. found a group of people she gets along with. Well, and that's, what she, well, and that's well, how they work well, the art wait, in wait, too. I gotta tell you something that's so ridiculous. So when Elijah was young like I think 12 or something, somebody told us about this um, high school for the performing arts at, at uh, Cal State LA. Yeah. And if you were going to get in there, I think that's what your daughter's in an elementary school version of it. There's high school for the performing arts. She's in high and, school. She's in high school. Oh, she is. Oh, so she got in. Yes. Right. So here's the thing. Back in the day, this would be in 1998. Yeah. 98, 99. Um, you had to audition for those schools and then you had to have academics and you couldn't be in trouble. So Elijah passed the audition. I think he had, he, he was, he was below the academics, but maybe some people were going to pull some strings or whatever. We we're still trying and whatever, trying to get into it. And then, uh, he had some behavior problems and they just like with the school, with the, you know, oh, so yeah, they yeah. couldn't have it. Right. So there was this, what I'm saying, Chuck is there was this, there was a, an earning of the right and privilege to go to a performing arts high school. Right. Well, mm -hmm. now that no, but I, now there is not what no, my point being now it's a lottery. It doesn't matter if you're talented. It doesn't matter if you're, it's not uh, true. In Los Angeles, in LA Unified, there's a lottery. There's no let talent. Me tell, let me tell you about the Orange County School of Arts. She had to write uh, and fill out a paper and write. Um, yeah, yeah. She had to. She had to answer. That's part of the application. That's the application. The application was very long, and she had to give a long, elaborate answers. And we didn't even know she was applying. Really, we, we, you know, she said, "I'm going to apply." And we're like, "Oh, okay, cool." You know. 
But what did she choose? Is it acting, music, creative writing? Oh, creative writing. And so she wrote this whole thing, man, about her, her, you know, her desire to be at the Orange County School Arts, and they accepted her. So that's the audition. Well, for musicians, you have to go play music, and for acting, you have to act out a scene. Yeah, and now you don't. Now you don't have to do that. Now it's a lottery. Because mm-hmm. every because right, Chuck, because everyone is equal, everyone, everyone is wonderful. Equity, equity, equity. So you can't so I was just like, I guess we should enter Elvis into the lottery. I mean, you gotta do that and see if you get in, right? But it's so unfair to kids that have really, you know, music is their whole life and they read music and play music and and they're not they're they're on the same level as like a kid that doesn't isn't disciplined in any arts, but their parents want them to get in, so they have an equal opportunity to get but in. But you have to admit that that method of you know choosing and auditioning and performing is very corruptible. It's very corruptible. Right, I was trying to corrupt it. No, me, you know, <laughs> I had but some every, friends. Every I had some on friends on the inside. That, yeah. I had some friends on the inside. I was trying yeah, to corrupt it. Yeah, no case, doubt, it's but... corruptible. No doubt. Yeah. Right, but uh, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but a lottery just for anybody, no talent, you know, like whatever. It's just like the weird thing. Yeah, it doesn't. Why have it? Too. Why have a performing arts high school? If everybody's just the same, just have the sameness for everybody and everything's the same. You know what make I mean? More perform- make more performing here's arts how, schools here's so how they do it. Go. They go longer. Like uh, Veronica was exp- explaining this to me. They go longer. They go from eight till five to um, get the regular classes in and then get the art classes yeah, yeah. that are not you know, allowed in regular school. That's why they like get the re- so like the regular, regular classes, school because they don't like have the regular classes matter. Music. Like the regular classes matter anymore. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, we have a society of people who couldn't find their way to a gas station if their phone broke. We have a society of people <laughs> who don't know how to spell. They don't know how to spell. We have a society of people when I give them, if the thing is 1548, I just did this today, 1548, I give them $20 and two quarters. They don't know what to do with it. They're like, why? I, I don't, why? And they hold the quarters like, why, why are you giving me quarters? Well, so you give me a $5 bill back. And they have to look at the computer and load in 2050 to see what I, they're supposed to give me back. They don't even know that well, $20 and 50 cents. Bob, I mean, everybody just uses fucking plastic now. Why are you being so cynical about that? Big deal. They don't know how to fucking make change. That's so small. Because they go to school to do math and algebra and it's useless. It's fucking useless in a society that computers tell you all the answers to everything. But that's almost like low level math. You know, maybe, uh, you know, (laughs) that's low level math. (laughs) So do you think they know advanced physics? So they these might, people work might at, be knowing better math. Yes. You know, it was my, at, it was at an AM really PM off the 10 freeway and the 605. And you and, were probably yelling at him. No, I was in a rush. <laughs> intimidated him a little. <laughs> He's like, well, uh, I don't know how much is it. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody <laughs> scared. Scared. No, nobody's like, like Tom scary. Uh, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys uh, 
You're not getting my point. Like nobody knows know. how to add. Know nobody point. knows how to find themselves. If there's a war, here's what's going to happen. If Russia decides to come here, the first thing they're going to do is jam the GPS, and no one will be able to get anywhere. Not even them. not even not even the russian soldiers will know we'll at least know where we are because of our streets (laughs) we'll be able to read the signs if you chuck if you ask me and mike knows this too if you ask me where the Satyricon Club is in Portland, Oregon. I can tell you the exact street to get there today. I can get there today. No, I can guide you. If you're on a phone, I can tell you where are you at? Are you by the fancy hotels? Are you by Powell Books? Go the other way towards the river. Okay, on your left, you're gonna see two big dragon, two big uh like dragon-looking statues. Turn into there, into Chinatown. Now go straight. Now go to the dead end. Now go left. Now there on your right, across the street. That's, that's where I used to score dope, right there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so go past that. <laughs> I don't need a GPS to find the Satyricon Club in fucking Portland. Like, you know, my, my kids need a Jeep. Elvis doesn't even know what the 210 freeway is. Hey, he just knows we go on something that's blue on his phone and then we get off of something. And then as soon as he sees the dirt road, he goes, oh, we're home. I go, where the fuck do you think we've been driving to? <laughs> and he goes, uh, and he's just, I look at his phone. He's got the GPS on like, oh, this is like the blue line. And you get off and you go there. They're going to be lost when the Russians come for us, Chuck. They're going to be lost. The Russians Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Yes. There we go. Like the bottom of the hill club in San Francisco, where would that logically be? It'd be in a bad neighborhood because it's a rock club. And San Francisco is a big hill, so it would be on the east side. Yeah, it's almost a daily city. It would be at the bottom of the hill. (laughs) It's almost a daily city. Oh, don't remind me of the bottom of the hill. Oh. So the first Coachella, Bicycle Thief was booked to play the night before the bottom of the hill. And I was like, how the fuck are, why are we playing San Francisco before the biggest show of our lives? <laughs> right? The bottom of the hill. And we go there and it's like, it's one of those things where it was living off the Thelonious Monster fumes, right? Because nobody <laughs> knew who the Bicycle Thief was and nobody cared who Thelonious Monster was. So it was like this guy that used to be in a kind of, famous band in san francisco and then he was playing solo and then me and josh were gonna play and there was like maybe a hundred people when we you know 10 o'clock and then the guy played and then there was like 40 people when we played and then we had to drive down to coachella to play the first coachella and it was just like don't ever do that and that's why i want to help bands like don't ever do that don't ever like you know cut your soul out playing some show the night before just go down to palm desert sit by the pool get ready to fucking play coachella yeah right and you know that i'll never forget i never wanted and and since then people have like suggested hey well you could probably play bottom of the hill i was like no thank you no thank you no thank you (laughs) never unless 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 mark etzel's gonna open (laughs) all right See you guys later. Are you done? Are we good? <laughs> that was easy. Yeah. Well, basketball season starts tonight. I got to get walking. The Lakers so are down by the nine. Dodgers lose? Oh, fuck. We didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll talk about that next week.
All right. Uh, I love you guys. Good See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.